0: Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs, the Science and Research Show is on The Scope. Lowering blood pressure below current guidelines can have a big impact on the health of people with high-risk hypertension. I'm talking with Dr. Brandon Bellows and Dr. Natalia Ruiz-Negron from the College of Pharmacy at University of Utah Health. What is the problem with high blood pressure?
1: Yeah, so high blood pressure uh, is a Major risk factor for cardiovascular diseases. Um, and as blood pressure increases, there's a strong increased risk for having cardiovascular disease events. So things like heart attacks and strokes.
0: Over the past few years, there has been a, a, a milestone study that suggests that tweaking that a little bit can have a high impact.
1: Yeah. So in the last, about, I guess it's about two years ago, the uh, SPRINT study, the systolic blood pressure intervention trial, came out and it was looking at different uh, hypertension blood, uh, excuse me, systolic blood pressure goals. So historically, guidelines have recommended that most adults uh, target a a systolic blood pressure of less than 140. So when you get your blood pressure taken, that's the top number. Uh, This study was looking at in patients who are at high risk for heart attacks and strokes, targeting a lower blood pressure goal of less than 120. And they found that there was a significant reduction in the risk of cardiovascular disease events, as well as mortality with the more intensive goal.
0: You know, they they have results from the short-term study that lasted, what, two and a half years? Um,
2: It was meant to be uh, extended up to five years, but because they did see such a favorable outcome, then they stopped it uh, about halfway through. But what wasn't known is
0: is the long-term effects.
2: Of yes, that is correct. So using, um, that's where kind of modeling studies can come in. Uh, using uh, the short-term effects that we see, we can try and incorporate that into a model that will try to evaluate what that long-term effect may be um, out till uh, really, whatever time frame we we want to look at, say, 10 years, or in the case of an older adult, the, the lifetime, um, just because of, of their age. When you
0: looked at these longer-term outcomes um, through your computer modeling, I mean, what, what were some of the things that you
1: found? Uh, because of the extrapolating, you know, three- to five-year data out for a lifetime has a lot of uncertainty around it. We looked at different scenarios of what may happen to patients. Do they continue taking their medications? Do they stop taking their medications? And so on. Um, but what we found is, regardless of whether or not patients continued to be adherent over uh, or after the the five year period that Sprint looked at, uh, that um, intensive blood pressure control, the less than one twenty goal, uh, cost more, but it it increased survival of these patients, and it, and it did so at a at a a, a value that uh, society is generally willing to pay to Im- increase life.
0: So, um, Natalia, help me understand, you know, what, what some of these different scenarios can look like. I mean, what, what are some of the things that might happen to somebody if they take their medication or if they don't?
2: To give you an example, say after five years, this person may stop taking their medication. And one of the big things that we say in pharmacy is if we don't take the medication, then you don't achieve uh, the blood pressures. So that's really important. And so if you don't achieve that less than 120 blood pressure, then the benefits of this systolic blood pressure target would go away. So then during the first five years, the person had really good um, chances of lowering their risk of experiencing these complications. But then after the five, risk, five years, because they stopped taking their medications, then they that uh, lowered risk would go away. So the lower risk could be um, just lower risk of experiencing a heart attack or a lower risk of experiencing a stroke event um, in the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing I wanted to mention is that there was were incredible number of variables that went into your different models um, because there's a lot of variability to real life right so I mean what 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 were some of these these other things that were factored into your modeling um, and and how did you go about figuring out what you should put in there and and what you leave out
1: yeah that is a great question. <laughs> So we had lots of different variables. So there, there are lots of things that contribute to cardiovascular disease risk. And so we tried to capture the, the most important ones. Um, so some of them in terms of the population characteristics were derived from the SPRINT trial. So patients, so we, we modeled a, a, a population of patients that looked like those in the SPRINT trial. So we got their, their um, cholesterol values, their kidney function, their blood pressures. All of that came from SPRINT. Um, the other thing that we do with uh, modeling is that we grab variables from lots of different sources, so published literature, uh, large meta-analyses or, that are synthesis of lots of different randomized control trials. Um, so we pull together all of these variables from one source or another, uh, and, and what we did is we consulted with physicians who treat patients with hypertension um, to, to figure out what, what are the most important things to include in this model to try and predict their cardiovascular disease risk. Uh, and so after doing that, um, we constructed a model that we felt like it's, it's not completely accurate. It's a simplification of reality, uh, but it covers the major complications and major risk factors that patients might have. What,
0: what can we do with this information? Um, now that, now that you know that the, it looks like the benefits outweigh the risks, um, you know, what's next? That's a great question.
2: Um, so what, we can do with this now, now that we know that uh, intensive blood pressure is a cost-effective alternative uh, for a specific subset of patients, Um, we can try to figure out how to best implement it in um, different settings. So, you know, there's uh, outpatient settings that we can try and evaluate. Um, There's uh, also, you know, within the hospital systems, what something like that may look like. And so those are things that we're trying to work on next, um, potentially developing some sort of tool to identify those patients that would benefit the most from this intervention, and then kind of moving forward with that tool in order to implement it in these settings so that we can deliver the best care possible.
1: Other things that we're doing are looking at um, how do we actually implement this in in healthcare systems as they exist now? Do we need to hire more pharmacists and nurses or uh, do we need to buy more blood pressure monitoring devices? Do we need to send home blood pressure devices for, with patients? So uh, we're looking also at the cost effectiveness of implementing this in healthcare delivery systems, both here locally as well as nationally.
0: Interesting, informative, and all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.